In deep water, you have to wonder where the two young guys, the challengers, where they're going to stand. All right, there's two couple of really good map returns right there by Anthony Bowens. Well, that's a pretty good chant they have going on in Chicago. Listen to it. Listen to this. <laughs> hey, Chicago, I tip my cap, and I'm a New Yorker. <laughs> Joel Murphy, this is Hobo Radio, and with me, Lars Periwinkle. How's it going? It's going good. Glad to be on the good podcast with two interesting people. Me too. I'm always glad to be here. I gotta say though, I, did we go too hard last week? I feel like Marty and Jonathan might have quit podcasting. They didn't release anything, so I think they might have just quit. I guess what they they saw what they were up against. What are we doing? What are we doing? <laughs> uh, no, I think they took the week off. But I was like, oh, I wonder if they're going to respond. And then I don't think they had a new show that week. So yeah, yeah, yeah. By by the way, folks, if you're not um, listening to, we have to ask from the Peak Sloth Network. Uh, you're you're missing two very funny guys and a, an occasional very funny guests doing some funny stuff. Yeah, we have to ask while you're not watching it. That's what we have to do. Yeah, they're probably not watching it because it's an audio format. Well, hey, jackass, they also do a video version, so... I'm the jackass. You don't know the difference between eyes I, and ears, I'm and I'm the you, jackass. You're not listening to me. I'm telling you there's a video version. You can watch them on video on Facebook. Oh, okay. Word. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, if you're over 60, go ahead and hop onto your Facebook... I'm not saying I've ever done it. I'm saying you can do it. <laughs> I was just, man, I can't believe you just, you, oh, you just exploded at me. Not, well, hold on. Didn't ex- <laughs> hold on. <laughs> well, we talked about phrasing. I was just, I was just talking um, about how I, I, I think it was either Southern California or, um, or becoming happy or maybe both that has softened you up. But I was just talking about like, man. Joel's soft now. Like, he's just nice all the time. It kind of gets on my nerves. <laughs> it's still there. Don't worry. I, I'm way more mellow, and California has made me nicer, but it's I still was raised it's on still the East there. Coast. No, there, there yeah. are rumblings. I get I get East Coast Joel every once in a while. Yeah, still. Yeah, I know I know you're still you. I think you're just you're just living your best life right now, and I'm very yeah. happy for you. But well, I'm, I'm sorry I exploded all over you. <laughs> Don't explode in my face like that. I'm sorry. Like, I just, you know, I got excited and I just exploded all over your face. I couldn't (laughs) couldn't even give you a warning. It just happened so fast. You know what? This is honestly the most perfect segue into the first thing I want to talk about. So, uh, look, you know, all our listeners know we love a good uh, semi-obscure holiday on this show. Um, We... Were we often in the early days had Captain Slappy from International Talk Like a Pirate Day yeah. as a guest on the show? Uh, you know, we're we're a big fan of holidays, and there is one uh, this Wednesday that I wanted to make everyone aware of, which is tomorrow. I I can do math, <laughs> so tomorrow. Uh, that I thought everyone might want to be aware of, and I'm just I'm going to play a clip. To, to set it up. And then this is going to require some explanation, but let's just dive in. All right. Mm-hmm. Next week on Dynamite, it is National Scissoring Day. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So bring your shirts. That's right. Bring your signs. That's right. Bring your big scissors. That's right. And we're going to do the chant all night long. Yeah. So it is National Scissoring Day on AEW Dynamite. So. 
Uh, I, 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 some of you might be nodding. Some of you might watch AEW. Others might be confused. But I thought it would be worth it to spend some time today uh, explaining the phenomenon uh-huh. that is happening. <laughs> Are you familiar with this, by the way? I know you watch some AEW. I, I am uh, familiar with this peripherally. I usually, you know, I watch um, AEW pay-per-views from the comfort of my own home yeah um but the rest of my aew intake is from my local watering hole um, where they're all big wrestling fans and i don't always get the sound there so yeah so this is a it's a tag team they're the current uh champs they're called the acclaimed they are managed by billy gunn who longtime listeners of this show will remember as the ass man (laughs) which you can go back in the archives (laughs) <laughs> like you didn't tell me about any of this. No, I I did not tell you that I'm. Adding... I was just really happy that you weren't going to say like Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> no, I I did no I in no way prepared you for this segment. But okay, so the acclaimed. Okay, <laughs> and just for the record, in case uh, it wasn't clear a minute ago, they're managed by Billy Gunn, the ass man. But. uh... <laughs> Uh, so there was an interview that Anthony Bowens did with uh, a place called TSC News uh, that I pulled this audio from, where he he explains the popularity and the the phenomenon <laughs> that is uh, the the scissor me chance that the acclaimed. Uh-huh have become known for. And so I'm going to let him explain it in his own words. I hit my pose with the, with the A and Caster came up behind me and he scissored me and there was a camera shot of it where I'm kind of like, what the hell? Like, what did you just do? Okay. So that was the beginning. But then, like I said, uh, managed by Billy Gunn, which do you remember? What was his, his nickname in the WWE? I think it was the ass man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then this is him explaining how Billy Gunn became part of it. We added Billy to the equation and I, one particular live rampage, I was sitting, um, in gorilla. I was in my wheelchair at the time when I was injured and we were minutes from going out and it just popped into my head. Cause Austin, uh, Austin Gunn kept calling his father, daddy. It's like, <laughs> it'd be kind of funny Jesus if I said Christ. scissor me daddy ass <laughs> live on television. <laughs> Like, oh, I'm just gonna go out and say it. I went out and I said it and came back and internet blew up and now it's turned into the number one selling t-shirt. So yeah, the way this works yeah. now is if you're at a live, say that they're in Baltimore where uh, Lars, you live, uh, they would come out and they would get on the mic and they would go, hey, Baltimore. Scissor me, daddy ass! And then they take their fingers and Billy Gunn takes his fingers and they that's what that sound effect is <laughs> to be clear <laughs> it's getting warm where i am is it getting warm it is warm in here but i, I all of that to say that one third yeah national scissoring day is tomorrow on AEW dynamite but also if you haven't seen them if you're not a wrestling fan and i hope people who aren't wrestling fans have seen these out in the wild they just make t-shirts now that say scissor me daddy ass. It's a hell of a time to be alive. <laughs> it really is. You know, there's so much that's bad and scary about the world, but I I never thought I'd I'd live to see the day <laughs> when <laughs> when you could go on <laughs> to the AEW merchandise. <laughs> Uh, thing and and buy a scissor me daddy ass shirt scissor me daddy ass i like it too because i feel like what i just played has explained it but i also imagine it has not answered any questions that anyone has Mm-mm. Mm-mm. um and god bless the folks like you and me hoot don't don't require any explanation just yeah 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 i gotta say i love this i love this so much better than uh than yes and what as far as chance go oh man (laughs) i obviously love stone cold steve austin who 
is possibly the greatest wrestler of our lifetime. I mean, probably is. It's either him or The Rock, I guess. But I feel like The Rock has done more outside of the WWE. Mm. But like, mm. Stone Cold's great. But the worst thing he ever did was create the Yes chant, which has ruined many a wrestling broadcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or what? Yes. I think did I say yes? I meant what? You did say yes, but yeah. they're both bad, and yeah. they both Daniel and they both Bryan had, was yeah. They both yes. had a staying power that they didn't need. But what actually bled into like, like you know, live news broadcasts for fuck's sakes? Yeah, and it was just a bummer because people would try to do interviews and like yes, you can work with you know if if you're mm. if you have the momentum and like the yes they're with you, but what they would just use to cut off people and not let them speak, yeah. the fans, and it was you know, and it lasted well past when you know Stone Cold was around. Like it is far outlasted possibly any other legacy of his, which are many. Is that fan still chant what? Yeah, yeah. It kind of you know. Uh, imagine, imagine um, if people went ba 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 when Sweet Caroline was not playing, and they just kept doing it. And that's that's the world we were living in for a while. And the fucking su- I say it sucked, but then it um, this past week at trivia um, uh, that came up in one of the questions, and I started doing it. As Carlos was trying to talk to me, I started saying what after each time he stopped speaking and he hated me for it. He hated me for it for several minutes. Well, here's here's where I'm going to be really honest with everyone. I hate it. I think it's bad, but it's pretty fun to do. (laughs) (laughs) However, if you want to grow as a person, stop yelling what at people and start yelling scissor me. Yeah, yell, yell, scissor me, or better yet, yell, scissor me, daddy, or really start yelling, scissor me, daddy, ass. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can work your way up. I feel like that that might be three steps. Maybe you got to get uh-huh. comfortable with saying scissor me. So once you're comfortable uh-huh. with that, with just scissoring in general, then you can work your way up to scissor me, daddy, uh-huh. and then uh-huh. eventually. Scissor me daddy ass. I love that so much though, too, that he calls him daddy ass. Oh, it's it's so he he called his father daddy. (laughs) Which, yeah. And he's daddy ass because he's the ass man. So now he used no he used to say, no, I'm the no, no, it's not right. That's right. I think he was, oh, it was uh, yeah, I'm the ass man. Yeah, no, that's yeah. what it was. That's well, what it you know was. what else he used to say, which mm-hmm. all of DX used to say, is I've got two words for you. Mm-hmm. Suck it. Well, you know that even that, because Billy Gunn gives us so much, he's even refreshed that old bit. Tell Swerve I got two words for him. Scissor me! <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a, it's a form, it's a form of entertainment that just keeps giving. Yeah, it really is. I, so look, I recommend if you don't have plans tomorrow, maybe invite some friends over, get some pizzas, mm-hmm. you know, celebrate scissoring day. In whichever way you, you deem appropriate amongst <laughs> each other. Maybe have a discussion ahead of time. Set some ground most rules. De- most definitely. <laughs> Set remember, some ground remember rules. everyone, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. On scissoring day and every day. Yeah, yeah. I would just put that, like, make that a, a permanent part of your decision-making paradigm. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> there is no transition from that to anything else. But uh, I guess, except this, things that have brought me joy <laughs> this week. Ah, I imagine that you saw this. Actually, I know that you saw this. I don't know why I'm doing. I'm doing this for our listeners as if we didn't talk about this part before right. we started. But I think we. it's safe to say we're both very excited that there has been an official announcement for a thing that I'm going to be honest. I didn't know if it would ever happen, mm. but I believed on some level. I wanted to believe that it would happen. But officially, there is a community movie in the works they will finally get their six seasons in a movie 
Six seasons and a movie, baby. <clears throat> I'm I'm so happy about this. I don't I don't even care what form this thing is going to take. I'm just glad it's act it's gonna be six seasons and a movie. And I gotta tell you, if I can if I can get a little little fucking misty over here for a second, um I I rewatch uh, I shouldn't say rewatch. I'll put on a episode of Community whenever. I'm eating I'm eating my morning bagel at work and I'll just eh, fucking watch something real quick. I'll, I'll watch some community. Anytime I watch that show, um I remember the things cuz you and I were roommates at the time the show w- was on the air on NBC and it's in its infancy I'll, I'll say. Yep. Um but yeah, it was still the getting one... full full support from the network, let's say. <laughs> yeah, you were uh, like full credit to you. You told me to watch it. I think you had watched it before me and you were like you got to see this show. So I remember that that you were the person that Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Me. And um, yeah. uh I still remember the the like sp- there's like I want to say like half a dozen specific things I remember you and I laughing at so hard that we had to like stop like because we had you know dvr is like we got to stop we got to rewind because we just missed a bunch of shit because we were like punching each other (laughs) in the arm and laughing hysterically at whatever just happened on screen yeah and and the community is a fascinating show too because and you can really see that if you rewatch it too where i enjoy every season of community i sincerely do but it's like they it it's almost a different show from season to season where mm. season one, it's a more traditional sitcom, which is still really good. And I really like season one, but then you can see it at the end. Like it's pretty much when that chicken fingers episode happens that it's yeah. like the Dan Harmon of it all is starting to, to come through. And it's like, it's not like it's, it's been a pretty traditional sitcom with like some, meta stuff and you have Abed and everything but then it's like that's the episode that that is sort of foreshadowing for what the show will be and then seasons two and three are just unhinged yeah. <laughs> full Harmon you know doing Dungeons and Dragons doing uh, all of the the parodies, the chicken, the KFC, like yeah, yeah, that, the KFC uh, spaceship, the eight bit video game, remedial chaos theory, like remedial the, chaos theory. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought that chicken finger episode up because that that episode, I've I've been, you know, there have been different iterations of my um, trivia team, but at the core of it, it's always been me and Carlos. Annie's and boobs. Yeah. We're, we're Annie's boobs. That was the introduction to Annie's boobs, which we, we still get. I'm not going to say pushback on, but we, we get shade thrown at us for naming our team Annie's boobs. And we, we have to, we have to say it is the name of a goddamn monkey. Yeah. Annie's boobs. I named him after Annie's boobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's the monkey that's named after boobs. Yeah. But we're named after the monkey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Annie's boobs, who I what, appeared in two episodes, right, of Community, because it's the Chicken Fingers episode and then shows up in, uh, which is another, the Bottle episode. The Bottle episode, yeah. Which is another yeah. great one. And I think, and and one after that. Oh, um, right, right, right. Remember, the... Monkey Gas! Monkey Gas. <laughs> yes. Yeah, where he fights Chang. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> he steals his spoon. Yeah. Uh, but then, so then you have season four, which is the, you know, um, the, the, the gas leak, the gas season. leak season, you know, yeah. where they, Dan Harmon was let go as the showrunner. They brought new guys in whose names I've sincerely already forgotten Yeah, and it's bad. And I don't watch, do <laughs> yep. you, you don't, do you watch any of that when you rewatch it? I, I skip know it. there are like two or three episodes of that season where I say those were actually those were actually funny and I'm going to watch them. And then I put them on and they're, they're not actually very good. They're more cringy than they are laughable. So yeah, I think the closest to a proper good episode was one was written by Jim rash. That is like a, he's doing like a body switching thing in it. Hmm. Uh, But he, he's doing it, but Jeff is not like, he's trying to do it with Jeff, but Jeff is not right. Yeah. Which I, I want to say that might be the most unwatchable episode of that, of that season. And thus the entire series, because Donald Glover should not be acting like Danny Pudi and Danny Pudi should not be acting like Donald Glover. No, it didn't, it didn't work frontwards and backwards. You had two characters in a relationship that should have never been it. None of it worked. 
None of it worked. Although I still don't think it's the most unwatchable because I think the most unwatchable is the first episode of season four, which was just me going, oh, no, (laughs) like this is not going to be good because it's just it's way too manic. Like they're they're trying to overcorrect. It's like they know that everyone's (laughs) eyes are going to be on them and they're just doing way too much and they're not doing it well. And it's just like a million pop culture references and just a really manic pace. And it is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, yeah. so then you have that and then then you get five and six, which are really interesting because that's Dan Harmon came back and then eventually they ended up on Yahoo screens, which I remember watching, which is weird, yep. which I think the show uh, lasted like I think Yahoo screens lasted long enough to air community and then was gone. Yeah, Totally. It, it sucks, too, because um, at the same time. That season of Community was on, the last season of Community was on there. There was a show called Other Space that was really, really funny. And because Community ended, everyone stopped watching Yahoo. So that show went away, which kind of sucks because that was a good show. Yeah. But yeah. And then you get so five, you start losing people because Chevy Chase uh, leaves first and then Donald Mm -hmm. Glover leaves. But then we get Mm -hmm. Jonathan Banks. Yep. And then season six. They lose event Nicole Brown, but right. then get um, Padgett Brewster and yep. Keith David. Yep. And you and I were talking about this before we started. Season six is so good. I think they could have really gone good. a few. Like, I think that mix up to the cast reinvigorated the show in a way that it could have gone longer. Yeah. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think um, uh, I don't think it's wrong to say that. Um, Paget Paget Brewster and um, Keith David are two of the um. I don't know what you call it. They're they're like on the you know if if character actors had an all star team, yeah, they'd be on the starting lineup for sure. Like they can just fall into a, fall into a role and just immediately just meld into it. Understand what makes it work. And in this case, understand what makes it funny. And they, they were just there. They were a complete character on their feet. Well, and Keith David, if, if the name's not clicking for whatever reason, he was, uh, was it Platoon is the one, right? That's the one with him and Charlie Sheen. Like he's in. Yeah. He's yeah, in that. Like, I don't know. Like, where do you start with Keith, well, Keith David? Well, also, well, they what? live like. Well, that's what I was going to say next. He he went toe to toe with Roddy Piper in a great <laughs> scene where they fight each other. And they like, no, he's amazing in that. He's amazing in all these like action movies and, and dramas and stuff. And then he comes in and plays this character that's like, I'm addicted to encouraging white people. Like, the, yeah, like yeah I'm episode. addicted to encouraging white people. I'm a I'm a computer programmer from the 90s who has weird outfits and lives in a Winnebago. Yeah. Who's also introduced because he sells VR equipment to the dean who just it's keeps great. saying Jesus wept. <laughs> <laughs> it's all great. And then, no, Padgett Brewster, who... <clears throat> Uh, full disclosure, I have had a huge crush on ever since she showed up in Friends. And I mm. every time oh, yeah. I see Kathy in Friends, I think that show did her dirty because th- they knew that character was too powerful. So they wrote her out in a dumb bullshit. Oh, she cheated on Chandler episode because they knew they knew yeah. that she would take over. Yeah, and they had to get rid of her. Oh, no, she's more charming than these other six people. God damn it. <laughs> Bring back Selleck. Bring back Tom Selleck. We got to cool it down. Yeah, talk about daddy. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, like I, I'm fascinated by the character of Frankie Dart because the character is written in a way that no one should be able to play it in a way that you would ever like that human being. There's... Nothing funny about her. She's her defining characteristic is how serious she is. And she's just like sort of the foil to everyone else. And yet she's one of the funniest people on that show. And I don't know how that works. Yeah, she's she doesn't fall for it. She's on the outside of the show looking in and telling people how ridiculous everything they're doing is like she she is. um she's the person in your improv scene that keeps denying your reality. But at the same time, as she's denying it, 
she's upping the stakes and making the scene better. Which, yeah, you can see that in the first episode that has her, the first episode of season six, because the whole thing is that she comes in and she reorganizes the school and she makes it better. But then they kind of rebel against her. So they start a speakeasy. And the whole thing is that Abed is the only one that's actually helping her. And then they drag Abed into what they're doing. And so then she gets a bunch of people to be dressed like bobbies like yeah like old-timey cops yeah. old-timey cops like and coppers. they bust down the speakeasy and then she's like is this what you wanted like i've known about this the whole time there's lumber involved like you guys yeah. aren't covert like i just let you do this because you were out of my way <laughs> right and right. then they do the the montage of apologies at the end <laughs> right right that's fantastic yep and doesn't she make them wear bonnets and pacifiers? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's in one. <laughs> there's there's also, I don't know, one of the lines that makes me laugh the hardest from her is when they're in the Winnebago because they're trying to sell the giant hand that mm. uh, the Dean bought and then he's selling to Matt Besser. Um, she, their van breaks down and she has a rule that she won't stay on hold so every time they put her on hold, she right. hangs up, but then Annie's also doing it. So the Annie keeps calling. So they put Frankie on hold to answer Annie and then Frankie calls back. So they put, so they both just keep hanging up every time they switch to the other one, but it's just her going, no, you have a car full of crazy ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But, uh, but no, she's fantastic. I am curious because the announcement mentions um, pretty much the the original cast minus it doesn't mention Donald Glover. It doesn't mention Yvette Nicole Brown and it doesn't mention Chevy Chase, uh, which Chevy Chase is not surprising because one, his character died in the show and two, uh, he's a horrible person to work with. <laughs> <laughs> That's yep. I'm saying by all reports. That's not my opinion. That oh, seems yeah, to yeah, be. Yeah. But look, for, apparently for decades, people have known that this guy is a real son of a bitch. Yeah, I mean, Bill Murray punched him in the face on the set of Saturday Night Live when he came back to guest host. So yeah, yeah. I think it's been known for a while. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so like Chevy Chase, I don't even know what they would do. Like they already kind of Dan Harmon had him come back for one thing and a hologram. I guess you could have the hologram show up again, but. Yeah. Other than that, I mean, they gave him the perfect send off, which is Walton Goggins reading his will and giving everyone vials of sperm. I don't think you're going to top. That. Great, great episode. Uh, but uh, yeah, I Yvette Nicole Brown, I'm pretty bummed about, but I also know she seems like she got like she's really busy with Disney stuff. She's on that show Big Shot with John Stamos like she. She seems to pop up in a lot of Disney stuff. I know she works all the time. So, like, yeah. I, I want to believe I know she left the show, but I think she still likes the show. And I imagine maybe wants to do it, but isn't sure. You know, she's on another television show. So I'm sure scheduling is probably hard for her. And then Donald Glover. Is he doesn't seem like he doesn't seem like he wants to come back. Nope. Yeah. Nope. So. He's, he's he's doing his like he's got a successful television show as well. And I don't know. Does he still rap? I think so. Yeah. And he, I mean, he has Atlanta, which I think he's wrapping up. But then he's I think he's doing that Mr. And Mrs. Smith show. He works a lot, too. So like he he's works got, a lot. He, yeah, he works good. a lot. He's super cool. He likes rapping about his dick. So <laughs> that's yeah, that's it. Yep. Uh, but I am curious. And I mean, I understand it, but I the announcement did not mention any of the other people that we just talked about, like Jonathan Banks or uh, Paget Brewster or Keith David, but I also could just see that. I mean, it didn't. It didn't mention uh, you know magnitude either, or like, right uh, or Garrett. Like, there's a lot of people that I would imagine showing up that weren't in this announcement that came out, mm -hmm. or fabulous Neil. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I hope we see all the end Vicky. Obviously, you got to see Vicky. I mean, John Oliver, too. Like, I hope they get John oh, Oliver yeah, back. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forgot about yeah. John Oliver. Yeah. No, he's he's great, too. And um, what's his name from the other guy from the Daily? Rob Cordry. Oh, right. Yeah. Rob Cordry. He should get some comeuppance. 
yeah so there's a lot uh very curious what it's gonna be what it's gonna look like i did i was telling you i'll, I'll say it on the air too just in case i'm right which i'm not because whatever dan Harmon comes up with is better but i always thought if they could get donald glover for like even a cameo you could just make the episode about trying to find troy who never returned from his cruise around the world like he and lavar burton because they they kind of did that on a crawl like on a, a chiron yeah. yep. yep they said that their boat was missing so you could always just be like it's all these years later and he never came back and then i don't know abed gets a message or something and they go looking for troy that would work. I'm down with that. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, whatever they do will probably be better. I did. I thought it was interesting that Peacock got the rights. And they even kind of said in the article that I was reading that there was a little bit of a bidding war, which I imagine means that Netflix wanted it. And I, fe <laughs> I feel like. Do you think this is just my opinion, but I feel like NBC on some level realizes like. That they'll look bad if they let Netflix make this movie instead of them. <laughs> I guess I don't know. They they never they never really did them right. And this isn't this isn't a um a criticism on Dan Harmon being let go. It sounds like he needed to be let go when he was let go. I feel like even Dan Harmon at the like would admit that he had become a problem by season four. Like I I yes. like Dan Harmon, but I recognize that he's he's a bit of a. <laughs> difficult person Absolutely. to work with i, I think, think all, i think you just need to listen to sarah silverman when she says he's the most talented showrunner i've ever worked with and i fired him exactly yeah <laughs> so it's like yeah he i think that he understood that by season four it had become untenable <laughs> like, yeah yeah um so so not that but just like th then and then just not not giving it a chance, especially when there's so many people reaching out of, and saying, no, we like this show. Give it a chance. Um, uh, I, you know, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what the I don't know what the fuck uh, NBC's attitude towards this is. But I, I'm certain I'm certain they went to Netflix with it first and said, we have this idea. And Netflix look at their numbers of people who watch community and probably said, we're very interested. And NBC probably got wind of it and said, no, 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 yeah. no, us, us, us. No, that that's, yeah, I kind of feel like that's what happened is like once they figured out Netflix would pay for a movie, they were like, well, we should pay for the movie. <laughs> like right. we, but uh, yeah, because, and I had heard that from a fair amount of people because again, you and I have been like, we've watched this show since the first season and like, I've definitely yeah. told a lot of people about it. And, you know, a lot of times, and in fairness to them, I, I don't think it was always easy to find, but like, I've heard from a number of people ever since it popped up on Netflix of like, oh, yeah, I watched Community. It's great. Like, I finally got around to watching that. And you could kind of see it had a bit of a resurgence once Netflix got the rights to it because people were watching it like it was a new show. Like it, you know, the Netflix people who had never seen it got to watch all the seasons all at once. And I definitely think that's where the momentum came from yeah yeah it's it's one of those things where and you see this all the time and you've seen it from the beginning of of entertainment um as we know it and that is a you know whatever it is uh an, an exec or 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 just a, a group of people in a boardroom who don't understand what what is making a piece of entertainment good they um they they cut it they cut it short they don't give it enough uh, of a budget they don't promote it and then when it fails they say see we were right we knew it wouldn't work people don't like it yeah yeah i also i i i think that like you know i mean i guess that's what always what people say is like it was ahead of its time but like i think that you can see too something that i do think about quite a bit with like the legacy of community is the number of people who worked on that show who are now big deals in Hollywood and a lot of them specifically with Marvel for some reason. Mm. Uh, but it's like, I mean, first and foremost, won an Academy Award, Ludwig Gorenson, who did all the music, who like, mm -hmm. that's how he got his break in television was doing the music for Community, which was a lot of 
uh, like when we talk about the chicken fingers or whatever, he would have to do these sound alikes of famous music week to week. It was a big job, but like he got to start there, won an Academy Award for doing the music for Black Panther, does a ton of scores now. Yeah. The Russos, who did Infinity War and Endgame. Uh, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. They're like producers on Community and they directed a fair amount of episodes. Uh, then it was yeah, a, um, a good amount of. Episodes. Yeah, like a lot of episodes throughout. <laughs> uh, Justin Lin did one of the paintball episodes who he went on to yeah, do. Yeah. Yeah. Fast and Furious, yeah. Fast um, and Furious, yeah. A, a Jim Rash Academy Award winner. Yeah, Jim Rash wrote The Descendants, did the Angelina Jolie uh, leg thing uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> at the Academy Awards. But then it's just like a lot of the the writers and stuff too. I mean, I I mean, well, technically, I mean, this is um, a Rick and Morty person, but Jessica Gao, who, you know, worked with Dan Harmon on on Rick and Morty, she's running She-Hawk now. Like, she's the showrunner for right, that. Right, right, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I think the guy, um, I'm blanking on his name, but the, the, the guy who wrote Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, uh, which I'm trying to find real quick, Michael Waldron, he's also mm-hmm. another guy that, you know. Uh, worked on Rick and Morty, I think, was involved maybe in Community as well, and he he was a he wrote all the episodes of Loki as well. Yeah, Brie Brie Larson, recurring character, another Academy Award winner. Yeah, and yeah, he also was... Captain Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, sorry, Waldron was a writer's assistant for Community, and then was a staff writer for mm-hmm. Rick and Morty. So it's like, but yeah, you can just see that. And yeah, Brie Larson, he was on that, like, you know, Brie Larson just played, you know, Abed's girlfriend before yeah, becoming Captain Marvel. And that's too, the with the Russos as well. That's why you'll notice too, that a lot of the cast of community has shown up in like cameo roles where Jim Rash plays the, he's like the Dean of Harvard or something, right? With, with yeah, Tony Stark yeah, yeah, yeah. and, Danny Pudi's in a van, I think, in uh, no, he's Winter in a, Soldier. No, he's in a control center in uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. like, he showed up. Uh, Yvette Nicole Brown is in... Elevator. ...in yep. Endgame. And, oh, and also Ken Jeong, who we haven't mentioned up until this point, who I don't know that they announced his name officially either, but I have to imagine Chang I is would, showing up. I would think so. I would yeah. think so. But, uh, but, yeah, he was also in Endgame. But, yeah, they all kind of pop up in the Russo Marvel films as well yeah yeah and look that that show was a breakout uh, a breakout uh show for for allison brie gillian jacobs um uh i think joel joel McHale already had a lot of shit i think he already did the soup point. right like yeah, he, was he was already, already kind of yeah McHale, souping, yeah was like souping. he was probably the star that was attached to the show basically <laughs> right right yeah yeah but yeah john but oliver still, too still not yeah. enough <laughs> Yeah, but also I do feel like I mean John Oliver. I think the trajectory of uh, you know Daily Show to last week tonight, but also like yeah, I mean he they got him on that show when he was still sort of just a correspondent on the Daily Show. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm. that show's good. I think that's what we're saying is you know it's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad I'm glad we did this because Lord knows we haven't talked about Community enough and how good it is was. <laughs> I mean, we haven't in a while. Uh, you know what's funny, too? Speaking of uh, people not getting the things that they own and burying them. Have you been following? I'm very confused by whatever is happening with the film Confess Fletch starring John Hamm. Also, speaking of Chevy oh. Chase. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I didn't know anything was going on with it other than it was released. Yeah, but you're ahead of the curve because you knew it was released. Uh, oh, I imagine okay. <laughs> a lot of people are like, what with who now? It's just it's a weird thing where there was no promotion for it. They they nope. put no money behind it. They released it in theaters and video on demand at the same time. And it's like going to be on Showtime, I think, at the end of this month. Like, it's just they they weirdly and it, it bums me out because it seems like John Hamm really wanted to play fletch and it seems like from what i've read this film has really good reviews but just for whatever reason 
Paramount was just like, eh. And they just didn't care. I don't get it. I mean, you got huge star power behind John Hamm. I, I was on my radar because I really like Fletch. That's yeah. one of, that was one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And before anyone, before you do the math in your head, no, I did not understand what I was watching. I just really <laughs> liked Fletch for some reason. Yeah. Um, and, uh, um, uh, and the, and the, the, you know, the book series is good as well. It was just, it just, it all added up for me. I'm like, yeah, John Hamm. Oh, and it's going to be, you know, it's not going to be slapstick. It's going to this looks good. I'm interested in this sorry about the sirens i live in baltimore um uh, i didn't i guess i didn't even think about the fact that it wasn't really promoted i'm on imdb several times a day every day and it you're right it never popped up yeah it was like i saw the trailer on youtube and i happened to listen to a podcast that john ham came on where he mentioned it and i think that's the only promotion i've ever seen for the film which yeah i i'm with you where i was like i was excited for it like i i'm totally down for them to make more fletch movies i think john ham's good casting uh you know from what i've read about it this is a little bit more faithful to the books which i haven't read to be honest but uh but it's like understandably and i'm as much as we <laughs> you know said other stuff about the guy earlier um chevy chase like they they tailored it to the fact that they had Chevy Chase, who, I mean, if you had Chevy Chase in the 80s, you let him, you know, be the lead yeah. and carry yeah, your just movie. Do it. Yeah, just do it. It might be a hit. It might be a miss. But like, make a comedy with Chevy Chase and see what happens. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, like, I, I, I don't know. It's just it's very strange to me. And I, I feel like we're seeing this more or maybe i'm just noticing it more but it's like with sort of the consolidation and the streaming services all you know with hbo max discovery whatever it's like there's less venues and they all were trying to compete for our attention and now they've settled down a bit and it's like they're just burying stuff you know i mean hbo we've talked about it but like you know, they have a Batwoman movie they're not releasing. They canceled yeah. the Bruce Timm animated Batman show that was I was really excited about because, you know, that's the guy who did Batman the Animated Series was going to do a new animated series and they canceled that. Like, they're pulling stuff off of the streaming services. Like, it's just, I don't know, bums me out. I want to see Confess Fletch and I feel like it didn't get a fair chance. Yeah. Yeah, it it's going kind of I didn't see the streaming era going in this direction. What I kind of thought was going to happen was that um there was going to be sort of a uh cooperative consolidation. Yeah. And the streaming services that because they kept some kept popping up and then just failing like your um uh like your DCs or um uh I feel like they had a few yeah, yeah, uh, uh, CISO, things like that, where it's like we're uh, quibby. We're, we're popping up and we're trying new things and they don't work and they come in and they go away. And I thought maybe there was going to be like not not a complete umbrella, but it's like. So, we, you know, we're not we're not going to have um, a, a, a Hydra with 900 heads. Why don't we try to just slim this down so that we're all able to make money? We're all able to fund projects that we want. and and people can pay a reasonable fee still and get the entertainment they want. And in fact, maybe we can attract new, um, new members to our streaming service. And now we're all making more money. This will work for everyone. Instead, what's going on is everyone just seems to be scrambling to take something, you know, to, to take something that's already there and then just, um, try to make that as as efficient and money making as possible, and then sell it to the next person. Yeah, and it's it's just like which is why don't I'm, you see that 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 didn't ever work? That doesn't work. That doesn't work in industry. It doesn't work commercially, and it does not work in entertainment. It's just it's a way for one or two people to line their pockets with money, and it fucks everyone else. Right. Which yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. Could you imagine if you made 
a movie like this, if you made uh, Batgirl or you made Confess Fletch and you put your heart and soul into it for several years and then it's like it either got shelved forever or they released it, but like in a real FU way where it's right, just like, right, right. I mean, if you can find it in these 10 theaters, good luck. Otherwise, like, why even make the fucking thing at that point? Well, I, I kind of feel like I think that all of the streaming services, I think they overcommitted. Like, I think they all were just in this race with Netflix. So you can kind of see, I think Netflix finally realized, like, maybe we yeah. should stop making a thousand shows a month and calm down yeah, a little yeah. bit. They, they overextended like a son of a bitch. But it's like, I feel like that's what we were in a boom of streaming. And now we're sort of in the, the bust where everybody's kind of pulling back and everyone's going, oh, no, we spent way too much money. What are we doing? And it's it's just weird because, yeah, a lot of we all lose out like you have these finished projects that are just they're not willing to put out there for us to see. And it, it's weird because I feel like the only streaming service that had a steady hand the whole time and was just confident, which makes sense because I'd be confident if I was them, too, is Disney. They're the only mm -hmm. ones that just seem like they knew what they were doing the whole time. Yeah, the whole time. They just, we, they had, they somehow understood um, at least how streaming works. They, they definitely understand how to fucking brand. Yeah. And so they're just, they put those two things together and it's worked the entire time. And they don't try to overextend. They're releasing things in a theater and then just putting it on their streaming service after it's done with its theater run and it's made enough money. It just, that shit just fucking works. And it's great. It's like, yeah. Oh, hey, look, now Thor Love and Thunder is on the streaming thing. It's a movie I want to watch again. Oh, and it's in IMAX on my TV. That's cool. You know, like it's in the, the wider. Yeah, aside better. from the part where you said you wanted to watch it again, I agree with everything there. That, that is good. Um, I mean, I, I did enjoy it more the second time, but I still yes. don't love that movie. Once once they once they understood what the fuck Star Wars was, their their streaming service really improved because they didn't they could not wrap their brains around a star Wars television show. They're just, I no. guess let's do that. Here's no money. I, and, I do find uh, it. I find it weirdly endearing that as good at Disney is at everything. The fact that they, the two things that Disney has not cracked as much as they have had success at pretty much everything else. They, they've dipped their toes into are star Wars and the Muppets. They're the two they can't yeah, quite get. That's a good call. They did not get the Muppets. <laughs> they don't get the Muppets at all. That's their biggest uh, failure is everything they've done with the Muppets has like the I, I mean, I liked the Jason Segel movie, but other than sure. that, yeah. nothing yeah. else in the Disney era of the Muppets has really been good like or up to the level of what Jim Henson was doing, I should say. Yeah, not even close. They, they just I think they just look at it and say, oh, the Muppets are for adults and children. Which, that's true, but there's there's so much more to it than that. Yeah, well, and you have to write it good. <laughs> yeah, it has to, well, it should be good. Yeah, <laughs> that's like a starting point. Yeah, and Star Wars is funny because we talked a lot about how you could tell they were caught off guard by Star Wars because they did not have Baby Yoda merch that first Christmas, which is the biggest nope. indicator that they weren't paying nope. attention. You had, but, you released the Mandalorian the beginning of November and did not have a Baby Yoda product for Christmas. Which, the, yeah, that was just a license to print money that December. <laughs> but you fools. Uh, but it's funny with Star Wars because I feel like, I don't know, like... I keep watching the shows and Andor is a funny one. I don't know if you've watched it yet or not, but I'm where I was like, I think Andor might be the best one so far. I was going to say, I was utterly convinced I wasn't going to watch it where I just yeah. had that where again, I'm not trying to pick a fight with you, but you know that Rogue One wasn't my favorite. <laughs> and yep. I was just like, why am I doing this? I don't want to watch this. And then I was like, well, all right, I'll watch the first episode. And then I was like, oh, this is really good. It's really good. It's really, really good. <laughs> so yeah. like, it might be, the, I agree with you. I think it might be the best one. It might, it might be the best one. I mean, I, w way to go to make B Boba Fett cool for once. I love Mando. Um, I, I, fucking Andor is fucking cool, man. Yeah. Yeah. The Obi-Wan thing was odd. Obi-Wan thing was weird. I don't know what I to liked, make of it. I liked the things I liked about it. I liked so much. Other than those things, though, I was, uh, yeah, I don't really, it? I don't what? know what to make of it. I don't know what we, like, it ended and I was like, I don't know why we did this. 
Yeah, what was you're exactly right. Because we wanted more Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan, which, yes, me too, but m- maybe not like this. Not <laughs> like this. I'll just point out, it was always out there. I offered it to f- for free to Disney to steal Baby's Day Out, you know, Mr. Magoo style. It's, you know, you have Ewan McGregor. He's on Tatooine. There's a little baby Luke Skywalker that's just crawling through construction sites and beams are falling on his head. And then from a distance, Obi-Wan is using the force to keep him from being crushed. And he ages. You know what? I'll do. I'll do 70 minutes of that. No problem. No problem. We just watch him age 40 Uh years as as he does it. The hair just gets grayer and grayer in every scene. I am 100% on board with this. Yeah, they could have done it. Uh, Well, look, man, we're almost out of time, and I don't want to run out of time before we bring back the beloved but forgotten segment that I wish I had music for, but I don't, so I'm just going to play this. Scissor me, daddy! That'll work. That, of course, is the introduction (laughs) to my beloved segment. People, um, people, you should know, man, did, uh, my, um, my mailbox clogged with letters, Joel clogged. Yeah. I I mean, I, people would stop me in the street. I'd be walking around and they'd be like, who do I need to know? And I'd be uh-huh. like, I, I can't tell you that's Lars's segment. And so, uh, so just begging know. me to do, you know, yeah. um, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, they bring all those bags of letters in for Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. I make Santa Claus look like a little bitch. <laughs> the amount of letters that I got. <laughs> yeah yep yeah it's it's i'm glad you were finally getting to this because i was really running out of room in my apartment it's a pretty small apartment and all these bags are just taking up space just bags i know you you lost uh you lost your little doggy there yeah it's uh, jolene just burrowed out of (laughs) one of the (laughs) bags yeah we heard her we knew she was okay because we could hear the snorty breathing you could hear her struggling to breathe but yeah, she finally emerged out of one of the bags. And then she looked at me and said, who should I know this week? Who should I know? I don't know what your dog sounds like. She's a higher pitched voice. Oh, okay. Okay. But of course, of course, she's a little lady. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you do that too, right? And we all do that. So, you come up with a voice for your pet. And you, yeah. yeah. And when someone else tries to do my pet's voice, I'm like, that's not what the fuck they sound like. I had that when you just did it where I was like, that's not oh, really at all. That's, <laughs> that's awesome. <just> incorrect. <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> um, so here's a person you should know. His name is uh, Fred Williamson, uh, born Frederick Robert Williamson, March 5th, 1938. Now, some of you um, will recognize that name right away, and God bless you for doing so. If you don't recognize that name right away, I think the touchstone, at least for folks in our generation, um, would be he was the. Uh, uh, he was big man in From Dust Till Dawn. Robert Rodriguez is From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. He was the man who was not Sex Machine. <laughs> um, uh, he was also at the for- forefront of the black exploitation film movement um, in the early 1970s. But before that, uh, Fred Williamson went to Northwestern. Um, in Evanston, Illinois, and he not only was he three years All-American as a pass receiver for their football team, but he also graduated with a degree in architecture and engineering. He um, now I'm getting okay. When I'm I'm going to tell you about his football career because it's impressive and interesting. But when I tell you, like I I'm, I'm not a researcher, and I got some interviews with mr williamson and um he has contradicting facts from his own mouth versus his wikipedia page not only that but his wikipedia page as far as his nfl career concerned doesn't actually match the nfl's wikipedia page as far as like um stats and (laughs) positions and the times people were coaches and shit like that so i i kind of just kind of like I would believe some, him, some information. by the way. Yeah. I'm just going with him. I believe yeah. he knows his own life. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also some years about when people were coaches of some teams and stuff like that. But it, it it's just football. It's all calm the fuck down anyways. Yeah. 
So three years all American. He um he was the number two draft pick to the 49ers. Um some some information says he played for the Steelers before that as a as a free agent contract, but he did he didn't say that, so I'm gonna say that's not true. Number two draft pick to the 49ers. He played for one season there. Um he like I said, in, in college, he was a pass receiver, but when he went to the 49ers, they put him on defense. He didn't like being on defense. He saw himself as a pass receiver because he was um, uh, six feet tall, six, six feet, two inches tall and 220 pounds. He said, I'm, I'm a receiver. I don't need to be on defense. They put him on defense. And because he was so angry about being on defense, he, um, he, he started hitting the hell <laughs> <laughs> out of the out of the uh, opposing offensive lineman, which earned him the nickname, which he retains to this day, which is Hammer. Love it. Can you believe that? I also I love a, a good cool story about like Spite. That. I got to pick my own name, and I picked Periwinkle. Yeah, but no, I love a good story about Spite, where someone doesn't mm. want to do something, and then is like, "I'll show you." Yeah, yeah. He he would he would just beat the hell out of uh, teams' offense, which you know. Um, in those days, you know, the, the rules of the game didn't really protect any player. So they were all beating the fuck out of each other. And and Mr. Fred apparently was good at that. Yeah, that's back in the he got his bell rung days. That's right, it. right, 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 right. Yeah. You might be seeing some stars there. No, that's <laughs> ugly. So um, one year with the 49ers, after his first season with the 49ers, he went to his job at... Um, Bechdel Steel, where he was working as an architectural engineer on in the off season because that's what you had to do back then. It wasn't a full time job being a, a a sports ball player. But but I mean that's a fascinating one because yeah, a lot of guys like didn't have. But that's a like pretty intense. Yeah, a lot like, of guys would have like a car dealership, right? You know, they would be in local commercials. A lot of sales, a lot of sales jobs and sales. Stuff, but, yeah, but absolutely. Yeah. They maybe they have a landscaping company, but no, Mr. Fred uh, worked for Bechdel Steel as an architectural engineer. Yeah, like that's badass. That that's like his off season <laughs> yeah. job. So then, <clears throat> I don't know exactly what year, but I can tell you it's the early 1960s. Somewhere between 1960 and 1963. He gets a call from the head coach for the then Oakland Raiders. You want to give a guess who that was? Oh, God. I feel like I should know this and then I blank. No, it's okay. I, yeah. I wasn't. I didn't prepare you for trivia. But it was Al Davis. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah but it, in like 1962, it was Al Davis. <laughs> because he's 1,000 years old. <laughs> well, he's dead now. But yeah, he was there too long. Anyways. Um, it doesn't bode well for professional football in the District of Columbia, but whatever. <laughs> um, so Al Davis called him and said, I want you to come play for the Raiders, uh, which of course he did because he was a guy who played defense and would kill the players of the opposing team and said, um, uh, uh, apparently, um, Fred Williamson said, why should I come play for you? And he said, I'll give you some more money at the, at the time. Um, per season, Mr. Fred was making $9,500. Um, uh, Al Davis said, I'll give you, I'll give you 10 grand a season. And he said he, he took all his belongings, put them on his motorcycle, drove across the Golden Gate Bridge, and then he played for Oakland for about three years. That's um, not a lot of belongings that you can put on a, on a motorcycle. Yeah, he, was only, he was only making 9,500 bucks a year, <laughs> which, what you need. Yeah. Um, um, uh, Fred Williamson played in Super Bowl one. Wow. Um, Who was the halftime show? <laughs> <laughs> I positive it was a marching band. Um, Super Bowl one didn't sell out, by the way. He um, he ended his career with the Kansas City Chiefs. He was a three time pro bowler, a two time um, all pro. Um, uh, let's see, where are we at now? No, okay. So, um, Fred Fred Williamson was watching TV and saw Diane Carroll on TV in a in a show called Julia, and um, he saw that Diane Carroll had a different boyfriend every week, and he said, "I don't, I don't, I don't like that. I think she should have one boyfriend for the rest of that show, and I think it should be me." So, I heard this is what Fred Williamson said. This isn't a quote, but what he said was, "He." He got he got in his Jaguar XKE. This was a 1967 Jaguar XKE 
for anyone who wants to look it up. It's a beautiful car. He drove to California. He he went he went to the studio a lot and said, I, I would, you know, I'm Fred Williamson. I'm the famous football player. I would <laughs> like to be on this television show. And the head of the network said, I like football and I like you and you will be on this television show. And he played Diane Carroll's boyfriend for three years. The fact that that worked. <laughs> I gotta get one of those cars. Like that's what I think. That's what it is. Yeah, I think we that's, should all ha- we should all have a Jaguar convertible for sure. I think if I had the Jaguar convertible, I could just drive to one of the lots here, like <clears throat> just drive to Burbank and be like, "Put me on." <laughs> um, Fred Williamson was on an episode of Star Trek: The Original Series. At one point, he was contracted to 20th Century Fox, and he's in the commissary at 20th Century Fox, where someone. Uh, a director approached him and said, hey, I'm um, I'm making a movie right now that actually has a football scene in it. And I don't have any football guys in the cast. Will you will you be in my movie and direct the football scene for me? Because I don't know what football is supposed to look like. Um, that man was Robert Altman. And that movie was MASH. Um, Fred Williamson played uh, in, in, in MASH, the movie and the first season of MASH. Uh, he played Spear Chucker Jones. They call him Spear Chucker because he threw the javelin. That's what they say in the movie and the TV show. So he was in, um, he was in MASH. And then he, um, he um, gained a lot of fame when he um, starred in the movie Hammer. Hammer was a black exploitation movie. Fred Williamson does not like the term black exploitation, but that's what we call that particular genre of film. Um, he doesn't like he doesn't like the phrase because he said in an interview he doesn't feel like anyone's being exploited. He feels like it was um, it was black actors getting a lot more recognition and earning a lot more money than they ever would have. I like that. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Mr. Fred took out um, a full page ad in Variety in the mid 1970s where it's just a picture of him sitting in a leather chair smoking a cigar. And it it read simply. Fred Williamson is not a black actor. Fred Williamson is an actor. Also, I mean, Hammer is great, but like, I feel like his nickname could be the coolest guy on the planet. But he's a <laughs> like all all, res, all respect to John Fe, John Shaft, but he Fred Williamson's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like all of these moves, I'm just impressed by. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he has um, written, produced, and directed 45 of his own movies. Um. And uh, he is still making movies to to this day. I saved this until the end because I think it's very cool. Um, it's all very cool, but this seems especially cool. He when he was um, uh, when when he first started to become very in demand um, as as a leading man, he told them there are three rules for them if he's going to be in one of their movies, and that is you can't kill him. He has to win all of his fights and he has to get the girl at the end. Amazing. He he said he did that because he said, I gave him three because I knew I wasn't going to get all three, but I only needed two. Any two of those would do (laughs) just fine. (laughs) So um, that's Fred Williamson. He's still with us. I I, look him up on IMDb. He's very fascinating. I kind of just skimmed the surface there, but also he has three movies um and tv shows in post-production and he has one that's just been announced the the man still has um uh dates in the books as they say do you know how old he is now all right he he is let's do some quick math here um he was born in 1938 wow yeah so he's 84 yeah if i'm not mistaken yep 84 and he's still getting the girl and winning the fights. Love it. Yeah, yeah. He, he still looks terrific and he has um an, I will say an underrated mustache. When you think about the Mount Run- Rushmore of mustaches, I think he could be included. Him, Sam Elliott. Tom Selleck. Tom fucking, Selleck. Um, Lionel Richie is probably in there. Yeah. Not not Jordan. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Look, Michael Jordan is the Michael Jordan of basketball, but he's not the Michael Jordan of mustaches. No, 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 no. He has a Hitler mustache. Yeah. All right. But that was awesome. No, 
I, I'm very excited to burn all these letters that we've been getting because uh, per, the person you should know is Yeah, back. I did it. You can leave me alone. Um, yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to see, I, I've seen a few of his movies. I, a few of them I haven't seen, but I can tell you that Hammer's good. Three the Hard Way is great. Jim Brown's actually in that one, too. So you got two big football players in that one. Um, um, Black Caesar and Hell Up in Harlem are good. Um, there are two or three films on his list whose titles I will not say. Yeah. Because he went... He went hard with the titles of his movies. <laughs> yeah. there, there's an ER. No, I say there. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But no, that's yeah, very cool. Like, yeah, I that was great. Like, thank you for putting that together, man. Like, I really no, love I, that. No, 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 yeah. absolutely. Thank you, Fred Williamson. Yeah, and thank you, Fred so, Williamson, for being so so open. He's a he's a very confident, very interesting dude. Yeah, no, the driving to the 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 fact that that worked. I because I feel like. That's yeah. him. I don't feel like anyone else could have pulled that off of even if you had the Jaguar of just like driving to the studio and demanding to be on a show like getting on the lot. You have to get on the yep. lot. Yep. Then you have to get the meeting and then you have to tell them that uh, you you want to be on the show and be the yeah, boyfriend. As, and as that a matter has to fact, work. I heard this on um, just to give them credit. I mean, my, my other sources, you guys are like Wikipedia and IMDb. <laughs> <laughs> but if you'd like to hear him tell some of these stories themselves, because he's got a few more as well. Um, episode 59 of Go Fact Yourself on the Max Fun Network, um, hosted by um, uh, J. Keith Van Stratton and Helen Hong. It's actually one of my favorite shows. You, you actually just like listening to that show. But episode 59 has Fred Williamson. Um, and uh, if, when you hear him speak, he's so he's so confident, so charismatic. Um, he really does just com command the room when he speaks. I, d I really, some, some people, they can exaggerate or they'll embellish. I really, I don't see this man like getting an agent. Could you please set me up some auditions <laughs> and maybe I can, you know, get my foot in the door for some kind of studio why deal. Why don't I we don't do lunch at the happening. Grove? Why don't we set up a lunch? <laughs> we'll set up a lunch and we'll talk. Maybe make me a tape and send it. I don't see any of that. I fully believe this man yeah. showed up and said, I would yeah. like to do this. Yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I think that's going to do it for us this week. But remember, question everything. New catchphrase spending. Hobo Radio is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on iTunes. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. Hi everyone, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Stephanie Smar. And this is Stephanie Knows Some Shit, where every week we are going to tap into Stephanie's brain and share with you some of the insight that she has about cooking, shopping, Top Chef, all of the things that you want to know. Yeah, we're going to tell some stories, enjoy some time together, and really dive into the things that you might be afraid to Google. We might have the answer. I actually, I'm pretty confident we do. Oh, man.